Offices continue to try to get people to go back to work by designing new offices that are more like their home. But will any of this matter because the electrical grid might go down? So we're going to talk about that next on Today in Tech. Hi, everybody. This is Keith Shaw, host of Today in Tech. Uh, we are going to talk with our old pal, Chris, who's behind the computers pushing all the buttons. Hello, Chris. Hey, what's up? Yeah, it was a short week this week. We had a holiday on Monday, and and uh, so we're just going to go around our mishmash of news, uh, talk about a bunch of different stuff, and I'm going to weave them all together into an ongoing theme. By the end of the show, you're going to be like, wow, Keith, that was great. Or you're going to be like, oh, no, you just threw a bunch of random stuff at us. Uh, let's talk first about some old gadgets. I used to cover the... I used to write about gadgets on the network world column it was called the cool tools column it was a great job i loved it uh, but i ended up having boxes and boxes and boxes and more boxes of old stuff so i find this story fascinating chris and chris chris is like well it's just another story but uh <laughs> earlier this week a first generation 2007 iphone sold for more than sixty thousand sixty three thousand dollars at an auction uh someone never opened the iPhone that they got in 2007. Now that's the that's the first question. When you, when you read the story, you find out that it was gifted to this woman. Um, so and she was like, "Well, I don't think I ever wanted to actually pay for the the the, the carrier services or whatever." So she held on to it and then never opened the box. And or maybe she knew like like that 16 years later she would she would want to resell it. So anyway, they, they decided that's why it's so valuable because I have plenty of, of opened gadgets that are worth nothing, I, including a few old iPhones and iPods and things like that, because yeah, they just, you end up just keeping, keeping them in a drawer and not doing anything with them. So, um, so there's a couple of interesting things. First of all, uh, people probably had to go look up what the phone had. Uh, it was eight gigabytes of storage, which was probably a lot back then. It cost six hundred dollars when the when it first went on sale in June of two thousand seven, and it had a two megapixel camera. To be honest, I have a phone here. I could not tell you what megapixel the camera is on this one. This is a thirteen. Do you know, Chris, what's on your phone? Uh, no idea. Yeah, and the storage is somewhere in the gig gig range. I don't think we have terabytes on the iPhones yet. Maybe on the 14, you I mean, might this get one close had a to it. 256, eight. 512 might be the, the upper limit now. Yeah. I think the standard is 250, but back then look is eight gigs, eight that's, gigabytes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's not as, that's not as nostalgic as when you go back to like the early days of, of Ram and, and, PCs and dial-up modems and you go like, oh, two megabytes of RAM is a lot of memory. And now you're like, ha, 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 I, that's, that's in my pinky yeah, now. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so the second thing that I wanted to bring up was the, um, so she held onto the phone and, uh, you know, ha, ha, tech, tech stuff, uh, tech specs. But what's interesting is that they, someone asked her why she decided it was time to sell it. So basically, after saving this, uh, you know, saving this box somewhere in her house, she decided it was time to sell in order to support her new business endeavor, a cosmetic tattoo studio in New Jersey. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, and I know that you, you, you are a tattoo aficionado. I've seen a couple of your tattoos. They're mm. very impressive. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, and, and again, $63,000. 
Um, so that's pretty impressive. But then you probably have to pay the auctioneer. I mean, there's probably you know, something. So yeah. I don't know how much you're, she's actually going to get to take home. And then something like that, you may have to report as income. Like, how much is she really going to get at the end of this? Um, don't you think that it would be better just to get kind of get a business loan rather than doing this? But I don't know. I mean, I, maybe. Yeah, that's actually a good idea. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'd probably do it like that. Because at the end of the day, you know, you have to pay everybody else. Yeah, involved. and so I'm. So I started thinking. Well, maybe maybe there's a treasure trove of of things that I have in my junk drawer of unopened boxes and other types of things. But you know, you ever have a garage sale, Chris? I I only recently had a garage. Aren't they so. the worst? <laughs> yeah. So I I've had I've had a few garage sales during my life, and you, you know you spend a lot of money on a lot of these things, and sometimes you think that they're collectible. Other times you think like, well, all right, I can get you know, five bucks for it or 10 bucks for it. And then the people come up and they go, I'll give you a quarter for 20 of those books. I'm like, all right. You know, it's like the negotiation that goes on in a yard sale is just irritating to no end for me. I mean, hey, if you go to garage sale and you find a lot of those old uh, Disney movies, VHS tape. Yeah. Especially vault edition. Yeah. Those are uh, those are worth a lot. I've so. got a I've got a couple of those that are I, I think they're all open, but I've got some VC VHS versions of some of uh, I think I have Cinderella and I have a couple of others. I think my mom gave me some that she had, hmm. and um, I, you you look on eBay and they're they're like three bucks. I mean they're not yeah. worth anything, and yeah. you you know it, it's. I have to go through a decluttering stage at some point in my life where I have to sort of give up all these things that I was collecting. I mean, I've got comic books, I've got old video games and old systems and things like that. Every now and then I was like, oh, I'll hook it back up or, but no, but they end up in a box somewhere. I've got old Simpsons toys that I, that are still not open because I'm thinking, oh yeah, that'll be worth something someday. They're not. I just need to sort of let it go. But I have so anyway. I started thinking about old gadgets, and there was another story in the Wall Street Journal that that I that I want to bring up about uh, the Arlo cameras, which are security you know network security cameras uh, that that basically the company decided that they were going to purposely end end the life of these gadgets. Um, and it's and it and it ticked off a lot of people because the cameras were working just fine. There was a network service attachment to it. Uh, they, the company decided that they were going to end this sort of free subscription service where you could get free storage for a week. And then if you didn't use the videos, they would just clear them. Or you could pay a subscription fee and then you get to keep them for 30 days or whatever. I mean, this I, I think about this too because I have a ring camera on my door, on my uh, front door. Yeah. And so we pay, I think like $4 a month and it goes to Amazon cause they own it. They own ring now. Um, but for the most part, it, it just lets you record something in case you have someone that wants to steal a package off your front door, which again, never happens in my neighborhood because nobody ever comes to our house and, and, the, and we have two dogs that would bark the hell out of it anyway. So that's our sort of security system as well. Um, but, What's interesting here is that the company decided that they were going to just end end the life of the camera and sort of end this free service. And there was an uproar, and and so they. So is it just to clarify? Is it the service and the hardware, or is it just the service? I think they still make the hardware, but they're going to upgrade. You know, they sort of want people to upgrade to the newer camera. Oh, okay. So this article in the journal talked about how 
the fact that, that a lot of these devices are connected to the cloud now, that the relationship that a consumer has with a, with a company is changing and evolving because you now have cloud services usually attached to a lot of these stuff. Um, I bought a bunch of uh, network-connected storage devices where I put a bunch of my photos and movies, and you, you connect it to your network, but then it also uploads it to the cloud. I've got so much junk in the cloud that I, and you know, I pay Google for a certain amount. I think I pay iCloud for a certain amount. Yeah. My subscription, and so I've got photos and videos everywhere. Um, luckily, those two companies have not sort of end of life to me. Um, I think Amazon had free photos for a while, and they ended their service. There was, you know, so every now and then there are companies that decide, well, we don't want to be in that business anymore, so we'll sort of end of life it. And then they give you two years to try to get your photos off there. Um, I just use it more a backup. Like I've got, I've got stacks and stacks of hard drives that I have all of this stuff on too. But, it, but again, it's like the, right, the other parts of my life where I have boxes and boxes of gadgets. I also have boxes and boxes of folder of, or files of photos and videos all over the place as well. And so basically the, the moral of the story, Chris, is that I, I'm just an unorganized person in general. Or a hoarder, maybe. <laughs> I, there's a there's a fine line between organized chaos and hoarding, uh, and I okay. have not crossed that line yet. Gotcha. Um, anyway, it's a fascinating read in, in the Wall Street Journal, and so um, I, I just I, I'm just curious about whether whether you think the, like you have a bunch of video cameras, right? You're a camera guy. You're a you're an aficionado of, of video camera type systems, right? I guess. I mean. They're very expensive, so you can't really collect. Well, I'm not saying that you stuff, collect you know, like, them, but but you know, what's, I know about them. What's the oldest camera that you have now? Like you, you do upgrade your cameras as technology gets better, right? Yeah, I'd say I don't know every five years. Okay, do you do you, you know? do you take and recycle those cameras and or sell them or what do you do with uh, the older equipment? I mean, you can you can keep them and use them as kind of like a second hand. Yeah, I know, mean, a camera uh, with lower quality, or you can hand it off to. You know, other institutions, you know, maybe a church, if a church is trying to get into streaming or something like that, where they can utilize a camera or, I don't know, put, yeah. on, put on your shelf and, it, you it, know. Basically, it's going to be put on a shelf and it's going to collect dust. I mean, that we, I have a bunch of, of you know, 1080p video cameras that we were using yeah. maybe 10 years ago. and. I, you know, I tried to sort of pawn them off on my kids and they're not interested because they, you know, the stuff that's on this phone is better than what they have. Yeah. 1080, what we have. 1080p is like the new 720. Yeah. I, there basically. was, yeah. And, and certainly it's not 4K camera. It's not a 2K camera even, mm -hmm. but you know, 1080p, which is great because when you get the video, it, it uploads quickly uh, if you're doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. The other thing too, uh, to, and, think, to think about real quick, just to yeah. add on to the whole Arlo article here is... I feel like not all the time, but sometimes companies will retire hardware or software if they've found that there's been exploits right. in the coding and stuff where, you know, people can get in through the code and do malicious activity. Um, I can't remember who had to do this. Uh, it wasn't recently. It was maybe a couple of years ago, but they basically had to send out this massive patch uh, to kind of patch the software. Mm -hmm. So that they can get rid of some exploits, or their other option would be, hey, we're gonna totally retire this, right? And, and, and they'll, new hardware and they'll end, yeah, they'll end the service 
they won't do updates and they won't do patches. For, yeah, this happens with a lot of network routers and things like that as well. So it's not just it's not just the cameras, but cameras have been known to have bad security mm-hmm. anyway. So it, unless you're keeping up with it, sometimes it's just better. Usually, usually if I get sick of something, I'll just disconnect it from my network and then or I've got, I've got a bunch of routers that are probably perfectly fine, but I just got fed up with something that was going on with it and just went out and bought a new one. Because they were only a hundred bucks, and I could get you know Wi-Fi G or Wi-Fi Z or whatever mm-hmm. Wi-Fi version we're on these days, and so it's a lot easier to do that than try to like either upgrade the existing router or fix it or twiddle with the. I'm such a hoarder. I think I've. I've I think I'm realizing. See, I, that. I told you, you're a hoarder. <laughs> right, you just gotta, you know, Marie Kondo, Marie Kondo <laughs> your place, and just if it doesn't bring you joy, everything just brings, let it go. Everything brings me joy. That's the problem. So, <laughs> all right, we're going to move on to, to some uh, uh, office stuff that's going on this week. It, it, what's interesting, I think, here is that the push and the pull between remote workers and hybrid workers uh, is still playing out in the world. Um, this first story uh, by the Wall Street Journal talks about how um, I think that the, this, this brings up sort of one of the motivations for why companies are trying to get people back to work. Um, and they've never said it like a lot of companies have never admitted it, but I think that it's because they've got all this office space that they're paying rents on or they're, they're paying for. And now we're finding that the office landlords are they're they're uh, they're defaulting on a lot of these loans because people are just not moving into new offices. Uh, in, and these are in major urban areas. And um, so this, this is a really good article. And I started thinking like, this is the, at the, the heart of a lot of issues. It's, it, you know, they might talk about corporate culture and they might talk about, oh, you know, we want people to collaborate. But in the end, I think it's a lot of CFOs and other people looking at the bottom line and they're going, we're paying X dollars per month for five people to be in an office. And they look at that and they go, that just doesn't make any economic sense. I mean, r- rightfully so. It's, I mean, it's good for them to be thinking about it like that because it, it doesn't make sense like to just have five, six, ten people be in this massive office building that's supposed to house, what, 5,000, 6,000 people? Right. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. So, I mean, you know, if I was the CFO or whatever, yeah, you'd kind of want people to, to go back because otherwise it's just a waste. It's just a massive waste. Right. And so, and so that's one of the pushes and the pulls that's coming. The other, uh, if you flip it and look at the other side, mm-hmm. uh, Wall Street Journal did another article on a uh, United Kingdom study where they decided they were going to start testing a four day work week and they found that productivity and uh, went up. Now, again, this might not necessarily be uh, remote workers. Right. This is more of a, hey, uh, let's try to see if this, this experiment works. Um, I've, I've heard differing opinions on the four day work week. I would love to have a four work, four day work week, but I think that, you know, does that mean I still work my regular work day or do I have to work more on, you know, technically well, does it still exist as a 40 hour work week? And I think in our mindset in the, at least here in the U S we've always been, we've been sort of trained full-time job is 40 hours a week, right? Full-time job is or 38 ish hours a week you know, eight hours a day, seven to eight hours a day. And, and you get into the set, you know, the whole song from, from Dolly Parton working nine to five. I mean, it's like eight hour a day, eight hour a day, eight hour a day. And then you get a weekend. Well, did so, they give any stipulations? Like, you know, you have to be in the office for those days. That's a or? really good question. I don't know if that actually, 
They basically, the, there were 2,900 workers uh, in 61 British businesses, and they ranged from banks to fast food restaurants to marketing agencies. They gave, basically gave them a paid day off a week, uh, one paid, an extra paid you know, day off. Well, no, one paid day off. So you only had to work four days. And then they wanted to see whether they could get just as much done while working less, but more effectively. Um, it, they did not say whether these were remote employees or not. I'm, I'm assuming that just whatever whatever existed they had, they would just continue. Um, yeah. I'm more of a person like I, I do like the ability to work at home sometimes. And then in the middle of the day, if I have to run an errand for like drive my kids around like, but in my brain, I was like, all right, well, I'm taking this this 30 minutes off to go. Do I make that up at the end of the day or do I just work harder? <laughs> to, you know, and then sometimes I'll log in at night just to, to either catch up on something or, or send an email or look at something. So in my brain, I'm still working the the number of hours you're supposed to work. But um, again, my effectiveness and your effectiveness is whether or not we can get a certain number of shows done per week and then help grow the audience and things like that. That's what we're measuring on. We're not necessarily punching a clock to do all that, right? Well, we're salary, so. Well, yeah, I mean, but that's another thing too. Yeah. Well, you know, in the old days, salaried employees meant you work 60 hours a week and you didn't get the extra 20. Like you, you didn't get that paycheck. Yeah. So, um, so that's sort of, so, you know, again, we're, we're talking about a pendulum that's going back and forth. So this article, I think we want to spend some time on. And so this was in the Wall Street Journal uh, recently, how hybrid work is changing offices of the future. So there's a whole, which it's, it's funny because it feels like that this article was sponsored by Architectural Digest. Uh, <laughs> they talk about how designers and architects are designing the new office of the future, which is going to look more like your home. Oh, and, and so they're, they're, you know, they're doing more open spaces and they're doing, uh, they're putting furniture in and they're, they're like this is how we're going to get people back into the office and whenever i see an article about how we're going to get people back into the office i just roll my eyes because it's like again it feels like they're missing the point there are there are a number of jobs that are good and you can get done in a in a, in a remote slash hybrid way well at that point I, if, if, again this yeah i know that you take a, a different a different opinion yeah yeah but it's like Okay, if you're going to make the office space look like home, then wouldn't it make more sense just to leave us working at home? Right. Instead of investing money. Right. That's totally rejiggering your office space to to look like a to look like a Hilton uh, lobby. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the the first the first opinion is like, well, why are people happy at home? Oh, because they have couches and they can work in the kitchen and they can you know and they're not sitting in a in a cube. But I think most people that work at home have an office desk. Uh, you know, it, it felt weird. I, I never wanted to work in my kitchen. Um, I, I, you know, so I have a separate desk and a computer set up with an, with a, an additional monitor and it feels like a home office, even though it is in a living room, I don't have a wall and I don't have a door I can close. So, you know, my dogs are my coworkers cause they're sitting on a couch right off screen to the left whenever I'm on a zoom call. Um, as long as there's no, uh, UPS delivery man delivering an old gadget to me. Um, yeah, anyway, yeah. so, aha, there's our first, there's our first weave. Okay, so show this picture. So this, this, the, the first thing you said to me when you saw this picture was the hotel lobby. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a, a Hilton hotel lobby. It's yeah. Just, it's like, why? I mean... What's interesting yeah. is that I see only one person in this photo and they're way in the back. <laughs> can you see, can you see that one person like... 
No. Yeah, they're sort of hidden, but there is one person in that photo. Um, huh. And again, I like if you wanted to show that this this layout was interesting from a work perspective, you would have more people sitting in the photo actually working, right? Yeah, I, I just think they're they're missing the mark. Like, I don't think it has to do with anything about the the look or the feel of of, of the workspace. I think there's more to it than just. Like, and sure, don't get me wrong, like a workplace has to be accommodating, right? You need to have internet, you need to have, you know, a place to sit, you got to have a desk, but to make it look like your home, yeah, I think it's it's more than that. And I think they're kind of focusing on the wrong issue, yep. you know? All right, I want to show you some more picture, pictures from this, this, uh, this article. If you go to the one with the stairs. Yep. The first thing I, so this looks like, again, it looks like a lobby. These look like this is where you would go into, to actually have your job interview. I mean, it looks good. Um, yeah. I like I, the wood. So the, the thing that bothers me about this photo is that there are the two people that are sitting in the, uh, on the stairs, those, that little seat looks really uncomfortable. Like it, I don't, it looks dangerous. Almost. Yeah. Like yeah. it almost looks like people would try to walk those up as stairs. If this, if the stairs were busy or if people were. Or you would try to be like parkour on that thing rather than than actually try to sit and, and have a meeting with someone. Um, if I looked in and they're like, hey, where do you want to have a meeting? The first thing is like, let's just sit on those those giant steps that we'll, look like we'll stairs. watch people as they walk, and down, walk up and down the stairs. Yeah, I was like, no, let's go to the, the comfy couches way in the back or let's let's go at the table on the right or, you know, and then, or maybe go up to where there's a, a, a recliner chair and then it's more comfortable. I see this at convention centers now too. Um, uh, when it, you ever go to a trade show? When they have uh, and, little and little areas with like look, shag rugs yeah, and, like and couches look, and yeah. bean bags. And, and again, yeah. the most important thing is not really necessarily the seat and the table. It's more about where can I recharge my phone? You know, you so you look for plugs everywhere and then try to like steal the electricity from the convention center or the hotel mm -hmm. rather than carrying around a portable battery. But I've done that as well. All right. So that's that's what bothered me about this photo. Next photo, scrolling down. So this is the idea that a, you want to have a balcony. Um Instead of so, it's, you know, this may have in the old days, this may have been three or four offices so that the really important people have the office with the view from the outside. Now, what they're doing is they're taking that away and they're providing balcony access so that you can, you know, take a break or work in this little area and you can sort of see parts of the outside uh, as well. Um, I just hope that you can, own, you know, that you don't. Jump off the edge. Jump off the edge. <laughs> well, I was going to say open the window and then either smell the city or <laughs> or if it's, you know, sometimes it gets really humid in the summer and you don't want to have any open windows because it's just, you know, humid as heck. Right, right. Um, that's an interesting photo. I, I don't mind. I don't even, but again, most of these pictures look like hotel lobbies. I've been but, in the hotels that, that, that have done this. And yeah. I don't know if you want to have your office feel like a hotel lobby. Yeah, I mean, I, at, at the end of the day, I, I don't think, this really matters because if 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 one still has the option to work from home, they're probably gonna pick still the option up. to work from home. <laughs> right. There is no matter how much you try to make it look like home or as accommodating as home. I like think if, there's a if the option's still there, people are still gonna I think there's a quote. I'm trying to find know. a quote in the article that Maybe I'm being too harsh on this, but I don't know, that's just what I think. Um there was a there was an article it was either in the comments or in the article. Uh, basically they said that they, they don't get it because they, 
they just want to have a space that's their own and just get their work done type of a thing. But there, there was another comment. I'm going to try to bring this up if I can. And the comment was basically... Um, uh, Is it in the article? No, it's in the comment section. Oh, I can, I can find it. It's way down, I think, because this was earlier today. It was basically the people that promote open offices never have to work in them. True. Yeah. Because the people that are, you know, the people that are recommending these things are usually the executives that probably still get a private office. Um, and so they, they, they sort of force that upon everybody else. And I thought that the whole COVID and pandemic, I thought that was supposed to end the whole open office movement. Yeah. Well, here, hold on a second. Look at the, one of the comments uh, yes, on this, the article. Yeah, this is a great comment. Do people tend to feel comfortable being comfortable at work? But, it, but that, and, and then he goes on, for me, I would fear sitting on a couch at work. It would make me look like I'm not working. But I mean, that's what it's like uh, working from home. So if I sit on if I sit on my couch at home with my laptop, it doesn't feel like I'm working. Well, it depends on. Yet again, it's all about how productive you are in in that environment with right, the computer yeah, I, and, I and what it, you do. It. I mean, what? Yeah, I mean, I asked you once if I think I asked you early on here whether or not we would ever do a Zoom call where I do a recording where I'm at home on a Zoom call. You said absolutely not. Like this is, yeah. You know, I, I I think people like this look and this feel. Like if I had to then zoom in. You know, now I've got to like adjust how I look when I'm working at home, and there's always a chance a dog's going to bark. It's 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 just not for me. Um, but if I wasn't doing this role and I was actually just doing some writing, sometimes writing on a couch is is comfortable. But the problem is, is that if I get too comfortable, like if we were recording on these, like this couch that's behind us, right? If we decided, all right, Keith, you're gonna you're gonna sort of do your interview on the couch. I, I would I would be tempted to just start falling asleep or, you know, you get too comfortable sometimes and you're like, oh, I'm just going to take a five minute nap right. and then two hours later you're like, what what are, wait, what time is it? What did I just do? Yeah. And hold on, just bringing it back to the, the article, there's yeah. this other individual here with a comment. Why is it so difficult to understand that people just don't want to waste one to three hours a day on commute? Yeah. But yeah, okay. Well, what about the other half that doesn't want to work at home? Because maybe they're not because they're distracted, at home. right? Right. So it's almost it's almost like we're in a world now where it's split, or or you have to accommodate for seventeen different opinions on on how people want to work. Whereas before, in the past, it was simple: Is show up, come to work, come or, to work or don't get paid. You're fired. <laughs> Where now, you know, again, yes, like, and I know, and that was the days where you know child labor was. We had we had ten year olds in factories, and <laughs> I mean, wow, not that far back. Okay, but. all right, the nineteen fifties, nineteen seventies. Yeah, it's like well, you know, it's it's like we we didn't have the problem, we didn't have any problem with that in the past, except for now because we were giving candy. <laughs> and now they want to take the candy away. And we're like, okay. no, don't take the and, candy away. And all the people that are complaining about, well, not complaining. I, I'm going to use my words. I'm going to use my words carefully. The people that bring up the commute and well, right. I don't understand why people, you know, sometimes a commute, even if it's long, if you're stuck in traffic, it does let you unwind if you, as you're going home from work, for example. So I know that, you know, I, I know you listen to other podcasts Sure. On the, on the, on, you know, and a commute is perfect for that. I know people that, that ride on a train and they listen to podcasts or audio books or things like that. And that helps them relax or watch videos. And this is the time where you're, you know, 
again, it's just, you know, if you're in a commute, it's empty time. And, you know, how you decide to use that time is up to that individual. You could read a book, you could listen to a book, you could watch a movie. Um, that's sort of the appeal for me for some of these self-driving cars, because I like the idea of not being able to focus my attention on on just sitting in traffic. And again, sitting in traffic, especially if it's a traffic jam, can be annoying. But I also have, uh, you know, audio I, you know, I listen to the radio and, or I switch over to music. I've got these options for me and the, the commute doesn't bother me as much as it used to. Now, again, when I was younger, you get that whole, ah, I got to get home. I'm going to get road rage. Like, well, I, I don't, I don't really kind of feel that way anymore. So for me, the commute is not as bad. And again, it's my commute is about 45 minutes to an hour sometimes. Again, depending on traffic. I think it also, it builds character. It makes you tougher <laughs> with all the traffic jams you got to deal with, just, all the other, you know, just crazy rubs, people on the road. Just rub some dirt in it. And it like, builds you know, patience. It builds. Which well, is, right, we, we need more people like that to be patient and, and more right. tolerable. Also, I got to point out, uh, going back to the article, I think this uh, individual in the image was playing too much of uh, Hogwarts legacy here. <laughs> okay, so we didn't talk about this photo. This is the photo I actually like the most. <laughs> I don't know what this person is wearing on, on their head, so I'm going to ignore that for a second. It looks like a beret. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So, but this is more of the, the idea is this, this is not a meeting room, but more of a library style uh, room design. You can be in here. You can, because they were saying that a lot of people like having the, if they have a cube or an office, like, they like the idea of being on a computer and being able to focus without any distractions. But in order to do that, you sort of have to create a library effect where it's quiet or it's like the quiet car on the train. And, you know, you don't take a phone call. You just sit and be quiet. I'm a talkative guy. Chris, even and, and I and I know you've experienced this when we're downstairs in our little cube area. If if someone's around and I just feel like yelling out something or I find something, I just do it. And th- I've worked with people before that have wanted more of a of a library type of quiet, and they you know give me the side eye or they they smirk or they go shh like I'm like all right. And again, I grew up you know again my my early experiences of working in a newsroom really loud and noisy and there's lots of activity and people are just, you know, and that's how you collaborate and come up with ideas or you're looking for a headline idea and someone shouts it out. So I was sort of brought up in that environment versus just this, you know, click, 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 work in a library, click, 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 write your story and then go home. Like I was not like that at all. Right. So, so again, we're going to see which ones wins out. I think it's more, it's going to be up to individual companies and have these conversations with your employees, like find out what they like, find out what makes them productive. Right. But I, all of this may not matter anyway, because there's another story that we want to talk about, which is um, power grid attacks have surged and are likely to continue. A study has found people are attacking substations and, and I, I, I don't get this at all. Um, Wait, my question is yeah. like, why? I mean, I, I know we were going to cover the story. I didn't, mm-hmm. to be fair, I didn't read it fully, but I really do want to know why. All right. So the Wall Did Street. Just not like electricity or. I, I think that's part of it. Um, okay. uh, let's just go over some of the news. So physical attacks on the U.S. power grid rose 71% last year compared with 2021. Now, again, when you, when you see a number like that, that could be 71% could be like, you know, if you go from two to three, I think that is a 50% increase. I'm if horrible remember, with math. Oh, okay. I leave it to you. I was hoping that you would remember. If you go from two to four, that's a you double it. So I think it's a two and anyway. Just remember that that seventy one percent might not be as drastic as like if you if you do have a few number if you have a little number to begin with, you, you know a seventy one percent increase 
you're not going up. I think doubling it is is a hundred percent. Don't write in. I was I was good at math, but I can't I can't do two things at the same time where I talk and then do math. Anyway, uh, so th- all of these attacks will likely increase this year. And this was a study by the North American Electric Reliability Corporation, which is a electrical grid oversight body, and they say they found that ballistic damage, which I think is gunshots or or slingshots or something like that or uh, bow and arrow maybe intrusion and vandalism are largely driving the increase so it's not necessarily people that might want to take down the grid yeah. some, some of it is um, the analysis also determined that physical security incidents involving power outages have increased 20 percent since 2020 and this is attributed to people frustrated by the onset of the pandemic social tensions and economic challenges okay I mean, um, I, I think they might be missing the mark on this. This is just my opinion, but maybe it could be climate activists. It could I'm be. not sure. It could be. Because how do we get, you know, the majority of our electricity? I, I think it's mostly by, by coal plants, I think. Fossil fuels, things like that. Yes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Definitely not solar panel fields yet, but. Not yet. Um One of the most significant incidents occurred in early December when attackers targeted several substations in North Carolina with gunfire, leaving roughly 45,000 people in the dark. Okay, so it's also pretty well known that the electrical grid has some potential cybersecurity safety issues. People can hack the grid to sort of shut it down. I mean, I know that they've they're they're trying to shore that up. There's always this like fear of. Uh, infrastructure going down. I know that we talked to the Justin Bean uh, a couple mm-hmm. episodes ago where we he talked about an EMP blast. I've heard things of uh, like these Chinese weather balloons or these, <laughs> they could actually have a little payload that could do an, an uh, EMP blast or, yeah. or tactical nukes. But I, you know, I'm thinking maybe they would just take us out. I think that an EMP blast would be scary as hell because I think, you know, it's very hard for me to live without electricity. I love electricity. Yeah, I mean, we really I'm can't. very thumbs up on electricity. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you really can't be without it today. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, you know, I've I've experienced power outages at the house. We live in New England, obviously. There's there's snowstorms and if we don't have electricity, we can't charge our phones. Most importantly, yeah. Whenever so during the summer, whenever there's a thunderstorm and it's coming, and because again, I've got the weather app and tracking the radar. Like we yell out to all our kids, make sure your char- phones are charged. We might lose power at any moment, and you know, because again. That's the worst thing, like having to talk to my three teenagers. Um, but again, when the power goes out and we lose it for even an hour, then they, they, they come up to us and they go, hey, when's the power going to come back on? When's the power going to come back? They don't, care about, they don't care about food or water or just sort of basic survival. They just want to know when they can get back on their phone. Now, they also have a... Now, usually when the power goes out in the house, that just means the Wi-Fi is out and the, and the cable connection is out for, for a broadband. Technically, they still have their phones because usually the 5G or 4G network does not go down as well. Um, but an EMP blast or, or if the electrical grid goes down, yeah, you're gonna, you might have to then experience some problems there. Or, or you know what? It could be squirrels. Oh, yeah. We have, we have little Squir- substation transformer things where squirrels get in there and, exactly. and, and eat. And then, and then you know, it's 10 people that are out. And then I feel really bad because then it's like the rest of the world is continuing to go on. And there's like, you know, 10 to 15, 20 houses that, that don't. And then all of a sudden I feel like I'm living in the prairie again. I'm, I'm like, I've got to go churn some butter somewhere because... Got to get the firewood. Yeah. There was one time uh, where we were out for two days 
And by the end of the first day, it was so cold on our house. It was This was due to an ice storm. Uh, and we didn't get it back the first night. And we're like, all right, we'll, we'll survive the first night. We, we just, we grabbed extra blankets and sort of survived that first. But then the house was like 40 degrees inside. And we're like, we're going to a hotel. Like you knew my, my ability to, to last in some sort of catastrophic event, I'm pretty sure is going to be about a day. Keith, so, you're, you're like a house cat. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, like, you're like a house cat. As I, soon as you take foot outside, this, I'm just kidding. I, I like to think of myself more as a house dog, like where I'm depending on other people <laughs> to give me food and to, and to, and to keep me sheltered. Um, so you see shows like The Last of Us on HBO and you see some of these uh, apocalyptic shows with zombies and things like that. I don't really care about the zombies. I'm always, I always am interested in those types of shows because it's like they never show anybody trying to get the electrical grid back up. It's like, all right, that would be my highest priority as a government or as an organization just to get people to stop like thinking about food and shelter and guns and killing each other. Get the, you know, just get everybody so that their phones could start working again. That's true. I, yeah, I do think the electrical grid would most likely be the main priority in an event where there's a zombie attack. Yeah, and again, it, it, and again, you're talking like a widespread, it has to, like, it, it, you know, the power going out because of, of a weather event, whether it's like a hurricane or a tornado, those are generally regional. And so, you, you know, I have a friend who had no power at her house for... 10 days and she was going stir crazy by the end because we were getting updates on Facebook ironically about how you know she lived in Texas and if they get like a like a quarter of an inch of ice forget it that that whole state's down for you know weeks but I, I could just see the deterioration of her attitude like she was at first it was like hey this is gonna be fun and then by day 10 she was like I've got to get power now I'm going to go crazy yeah I mean it does bring up the question of um, renewable energy per household i would say right you know what i mean so maybe like we we do like the house uh, and again i didn't when i bought the house i didn't know that solar panels had to you you only get the benefit from solar panels if your house is in a certain direction yeah i mean you got to get enough you, light you, you have right. to have sort of that southwest facing roof and uh, you know my so if it's this way my house faces this way and it wouldn't make any sense so we tied in our electricity to a solar farm so we do sort of get a discount on our electrical grid. So every, I, you know, I don't pay the electrical company as much as I pay the solar company. Mm -hmm. So I feel a little bit better that I'm actually sort of contributing towards renewable energy. But then the same people that also push a lot of kind of sustainable energy will also probably have a generator that they use to power up during storms. And that takes gas. <laughs> You know? Right, and so we, if there is a power outage, sometimes we do see houses in our in our neighborhood that have generators. I just haven't pulled the trigger on that because I probably would blow myself up trying to start a generator. And again, it's 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 more of a listen. Just live with this for a couple of days. I don't think I could go ten. At that point, I'd be move. I I would move into this office here and just live here. Maybe because well, again, well, it's maybe not, that'll get us back to the office. <laughs> No, really. Just I like kinda... how, yeah, I like how you're thinking now because now you're talking like, all right, how do we get people back in the office? Well, let, let's just find out where they're where they're living, where they're working, and then sort of sabotage the system. Uh -huh, uh -huh, and then <laughs> get them out for a couple of days. And you're like, there's plenty of hot water at the office. There's plenty of of uh, food. We got a gym. We, we got, got a gym. Showers. We got electricity. Yeah, yeah. That might be it. That might be the way to sort of. Get people back to the office. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is your thread. We talked old gadgets, new offices, and the electrical grid. Wove it all together into a fine tapestry that is Tech Talk. What do you think? 
You like it, Chris? You're not even listening now. All right, that's all the time we have for today's episode. Don't forget to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and add any comments below. And join us every week for episodes, new episodes of Today in Tech. I'm Keith Shaw. Thanks for watching.